Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,423. Don't do anything during the day that'll keep you awake at night. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona, Greg Ovitz. Greg, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, absolutely. All right. Greg Ovitz owns Jeezup, a personal classic car location service, that also acts as an auction car locator, restoration services, import and export help, and classic car parts locator. Helping you find your next classic car is his goal. Through his partnerships and expertise, Greg will walk you through the process at any level, from impartial advice about project vehicles, help at auctions, finding parts, to all aspects of your search for that special vehicle. He thrives on sharing his knowledge to ensure your expertise, your experience, I should say, is successful through his expertise. And the G's Up mission is to create relationships, not just transactions, that he'll be there every step of the way to help you through. Huh, where were you in my past, Greg? So I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about this business of yours and a very obvious passion for helping people with automobiles? Well, of course. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I've been in the uh, automotive industry for probably 30 plus years on all aspects of it, whether it's restoration, locations, purchasing, selling. And uh, I did this for so many years with some friends and family. I just started to make myself available to other clients. So hence, I started a company called G's Up. And everyone asked me, where'd you come up with that name? And <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
The actual reason is, is my name is Greg and I have three G's in Greg. So it's G-R-E-G-G. And my middle name is Glenn with a G. So I have these G's in my name. And uh, I've always been teased. I'm always up and out looking for cars or involved with cars. So uh, that's how the name G's Up came about. And uh, I've just, uh, yeah, I've always just taken that passion. And now I'm sharing it with others. And it's been a great thing so far. Well, yeah, absolutely. I love it. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't joking before because so many times when you're looking for a car and you feel somewhat alone and you're not really sure about things, it'd be really good to have somebody there. And I became a little bit of, I guess, of a G's up to some of my friends. I'm I'm kind of known as the doctor. I, whenever I get a phone call from <laughs> my buddy, say, is the doctor in, I, that means a guy or a gal is about to buy a car and I need to get them on the smarter side of the red mist that they're seeing. Because right. they're missing, they're missing all the points. And I've had friends that have said, "Would you come with me and talk me out of this car?" Uh, because we all know once we're there, it's like you start to be blinded to all the reasons why you shouldn't buy that car, like the the huge rust hole in the bottom that you really don't right. care about at the time <laughs> until you get home. So I think services like yours are very, very valuable to people, especially when we all get a little uh, blinded by the light, as they say. So we're going to learn a lot more about you as we walk through your life here. But first. I want to ask you for a mantra or some kind of a success quote. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah? Yeah. So, Greg, take the wheel. Well, Mark, I have to say, I, I actually have maybe several ones that I always refer to okay. depending on situations that I'm in. But I think the first and foremost is um, if you're patient and persistent, it'll always pay off for you. A lot of people think that they expect a quick turnaround or a quick solution or a quick outcome. And uh, if they don't get it, they give up. But if uh, if you're patient and you're persistent, you'll always reach the goal or you'll attain uh, what you're striving after. And I found that one to be the most beneficial, you know, scenario for me. Yeah, you know, you're you're saying, and before I I let you share a couple others here, I I just want to share this because you remind me of my dad a little bit in the sense that when I was growing up, I would get impatient, like I wanted a new bicycle and. He would say, well, what kind of bike do you want? Oh, I want a Schwinn Stingray, but I can only afford a Huffy. So I'm going to go buy a Huffy. And you say, no, 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 don't do that. Wait, save up more. I'll give you some more projects around the house or go wax some more cars or wash the neighbor's car and get what you really want. It may take you a few more months. It might take you a year, but you'll be so much happier in the end, right? Yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, You know, there's always things that people strive for. And just like you said, if you don't have the ability to be patient, you'll always settle and you'll end up with something you really don't want or maybe some situation you're not familiar with um, because you're rushing in and you want a quick solution. And I found that never to be the best case scenario. Definitely with dealing with automotive stuff and projects and cars. You know, I've known gentlemen that want to hurry up and get a car this weekend and then a month later they wish they would have waited for the next one or they wish they would have waited for the right color that they they really wanted and then they're unhappy with their purchase. And so I've always found just when you're persistent and patient, it always kind of works out for you. You know, it does in life. It does in relationships, uh, every aspect. Now, you said you had a couple other quotes for us. Um, Yeah, one of the quotes that I've kind of referred to back many occasions with different transactions and people is um, don't do anything during the day that'll keep you awake at night. <laughs> and that That's might great advice. <laughs> be kind of elementary in thinking, but when you really think about it, you know, you deal with so many people, so many transitions, so many angles of things, so many different dynamics, and you never want to put yourself in a spot 
uh, because people are encouraging you to or pushing you to. If you always stand by that motto and, and always do the right thing, then things always kind of pan out correctly regardless. And I've found that to, to pay off for me in certain situations. You know, especially at auctions. I was sitting next to a guy once at an auction and uh, an old Woody, 41 Ford Woody came up. And this guy I know never had ex- wanted a Woody, never liked a Woody. But a few people sitting around were going, man, that's a deal. You should buy that. Well, he ended up bidding on it. And I'm like, why are you bidding on a Woody? You didn't like Woody's when he... And he ended up getting this Woody, and then all of a sudden afterwards, I was like, why did I do that? Well, because he got peer pressure. I mean, even though he was an adult, people saying it was a great deal. He got stuck with this Woody that turned out to be not so great of a car because he hadn't even looked at it. Uh, it just looked like a great deal. So I think you're right. Yeah. Don't do anything today you'll regret tonight. Yeah, because I know a lot of uh, gentlemen and that have bought cars, and they're all emotionally attached to it, and they're excited, and they do it. And then they come home at night and they wonder, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when they have so, to explain it to their spouse. <laughs> that's true. That's a whole other discussion right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. Yep. And was there another one you wanted to share? Well, it kind of ties in with the patience and persistence. Everything that is profound or created or built, whether it's a, a vehicle or a piece of art or a structure or a building or a house, you know, all everything that's always been dynamic and wow doesn't get done overnight. And it doesn't get done by someone that's lazy. So I've always found just, um, you know, a masterpiece is never created by a lazy person. So if you get in a slump or a lull, make yourself get out of it quickly because then you'll never strive and, and become better at what you want. Great advice, all three of those. Yeah, I think so. With those three... Mantras or have always been successful for me, depending on the angle I'm dealing with. Absolutely. How about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars? Is there a moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed going to be a car guy? Oh yeah, um, I would. There's been several situations, but I think before this back, I was probably five or six years old, and I think I first started the passion for cars and the automobile when I started stealing my brother's Hot Wheels. Um, <laughs> so you were a car I, theft at five years old. I was stealing cars at the age of five. Don't let that oh, get out. <laughs> no, I won't. But Nobody listens my, to this show. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? But uh, my older brother had Redline Hot Wheels, and I used to take them. And I used to hide them. I used to keep them. I actually used to trade them, give them away. And he never really knew where they were going. But I think that's when my first passion for cars started with those Hot Wheels. Um, another definitely profound situation is um, that made me realize this is my uncle was building an old 29 Ford in the garage and him and my dad would work on it on the weekends. And I would go in the garage and my uncle's garage was, was very clean, very organized. He had all the chrome parts hanging up on the wall and labeled that needed to go on the car. He had tables with chrome bolts that were labeled on where they go. And I was at such a young age, I wasn't allowed to even kind of go near the car. I always had to like kind of sit in the corner or stand in the corner. And uh, at all our family dinners, that's what I did. I sat in the garage and watched my uncle and my dad work on this car. And I just couldn't wait to do it myself or be old enough to have one. And uh, I think that's really what sparked it. Great memories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Ever since then, I had, you know, bikes and cars and Hot Wheels and 
all kinds of things. <laughs> but that's what sparked it. Well, next time you come over to my house, I'm going to hide my heart, Hot Wheels. Thanks for the warning. I'll, yeah. I'll make sure those, I'll put those in the safe. Believe it or not, I still have probably 300 red lines. I probably have five or 600 black wall Hot Wheels. Wow. I still have old remote control cars. I still have my old skateboards, my pedal bicycles. I, I just can't seem to get rid of that stuff. But I think that it definitely started at an early age, the passion for the automobile. And the car and the wheels started when I was younger because of those situations. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Very, very cool. Well, let's take a look at a challenge or let's take a look at maybe a failure you faced along the way. And I'm more interested in what that learning lesson was so that you can move forward in a positive way. So kind of take us to one of those painful points in times, kind of walk us through what happened and then tell us how you dealt with it. Well, I have to say one of the situations that's been the most challenging for me uh, recently with starting a business is I'm a very reserved and quiet kind of person. And I don't really speak a lot. And I really don't throw out information very quickly. I'm the one that sits back and listens. And the biggest challenge for me is to been, to self-promote myself. To self-promote means to throw out my information, to share my contacts, to help people with their vehicle trans- transactions. You know, self-promoting actually allowed me to come in contact with you. So overcoming that challenge, which has been very difficult for me to self-promote, has really been paid off recently for me. Um, I've met a lot of people in the past several years starting this company. I've been involved with many builds. I've been involved with other automotive industry type products, charities, other interviews. So I think the biggest challenge I've had through my years is um, not self-promoting. And I've realized since I've been doing it and I've gotten over that hurdle, uh, it's really been paying off. And uh, it's been an honor meeting you today just because of that effort that I'm putting in. So that's been, I think, the biggest challenge for me recently is to self-promote and make myself available to people verbally, professionally, to help them succeed or achieve what they want. Yeah, you know, this is an important topic. When I started Cars, yeah, I'd come from working in a company for 20 plus years, promoting that company, that brand, the owner of that company. I was very comfortable with it, very good at it, helped build up company called Griot's Garage over a long period of time, uh, handled all the marketing and merchandising, ran the company. I was the president of the company. And so it was really easy for me. But then when I started my own business, trying to promote myself became very weird and awkward to me. And I had a couple people, mentors of mine, that helped me through that greatly. And one of them, as I always remembered, he said, Mark, don't focus on you. Focus on what you're going to do to help your guests, to help your advertisers, all these people. That's the focus. What benefit are you providing? Just like you did when you were at Griot's, what was the benefit you were providing with those products you were selling to the end consumer? And when I, when that switch clicked, and, and I, I, I applaud you for reaching out to me, Greg, because I have people that will reach out to me from time to time. Hey, may I be a guest on your show? I have something interesting to share. And then I have other people that I reach out and they said, man, I'm so glad you invited me. I've wanted to be on your show forever. And I thought, well, why didn't you ask? <laughs> right. And so right. it's a hard thing to overcome, isn't it? It, it really is. And especially for me, because uh, for me, just to send you that email saying, can I be a part of this is challenging in itself. So I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad yeah. I'm on the interview with you today. <laughs> hey, that's all it took. You know what? There's a little secret to life that I wish I'd known in high school. If you don't ask, you don't get. And if I'd known that in high school, I'd have had a lot more dates. I'm almost positive of that. So, uh, yeah. Right? So, uh, I just learned that lesson a little bit too late, but maybe it kept me out of trouble. 
At least I like to think so. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle and maybe share a memory you have about that ride. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously through the years, even growing up, I've, I've owned dozens, if not hundreds of different cars throughout my lifetime thus far. I think one of the one that kind of stands out is um, there was a vehicle that my dad and I built together. And what it was is there was a gentleman here locally in Arizona, and he owned an auto parts store. And he had a 70, 1970 El Camino SS that his parts driver had wrecked. So it sat on the back of his shop for quite some time. And then it ended up, he ended up taking it home. And I had always poked in, asking to buy it or was it available. He always said, no, no, no. And then uh, one time I went by, I was in the neighborhood, went by his house, stopped by to say hi. And he's like, it's available. I need it out. <laughs> I'm over it. And this is probably after two or three years of me just touching base and keeping in contact with them. So after we had that conversation, I ended up taking the car home that evening. And I needed a front end. Uh, I needed a front clip, core support, fender wells, obviously paint and body type thing. But it was a great basis to start a project. And that was something my dad and I did on the weekends. I mean, we tore apart the front end. You know, we hunted sheet metal. It was something we just, you know, did together on the weekends that we had available. And I'd say probably in about six or seven weekends, we had the car back on the road structurally together. Uh, It was a blast to do that with them. And then we ended up, you know, making some arrangements to get it painted. But it was definitely a great project for him and I to work together on. It was a great time. What color was your Camino, the SS? Yeah. It was, uh, we ended up going with a Corvette Blue. I think it was 2002 Vet Blue, I think it was, or three. Uh It, It was a great, it's like a dark metallic blue. And then we uh, hunted down and got some Corvette rally wheels on it. So it had the deeper rally with the video ring and the cap on it. We did a couple custom stripes on it. We took it to many shows here in Arizona. And my dad drove it every day for many years. And then uh, it came to a point where he wanted to buy a Dodge Magnum right when it was coming out. And he, he wanted one of those Magnums. So he ended up buying a Magnum. And after we did a bunch of work to that to make it custom, I put the El Camino for sale, and uh, it was purchased uh, and shipped overseas. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I went overseas to Australia, and uh, that was the last that I heard of it after that. Now it's uh, living a life down under. (laughs) Yeah, but from start to finish, the whole story of that vehicle was just a great experience, you know, just from the gentleman I purchased it from and how I acquired it and how my dad and I worked on it and how we enjoyed it and shows and, and then how it got sold and it went, you know, kind of passed the torch to another family overseas that wanted the car and they took care of it. And even though I lost contact with them after that first month or two after the transaction, you know, it was just a, it was just a great story from start to finish. And that's yeah. one of the ones, uh, the vehicles and the stories that I cherish the most. Well, that's where that persistent comes into play. You know, I, I bothered, I should say bothered, but I was uh, persistent with a guy for 10 years. There was a 72 Porsche 911 S I wanted to buy. And uh, for 10 years, about every four or five months, I would send him an email call. Hey, uh, ready to sell me my car? And uh, right? and I was a I was literally ready to sign a check for another Porsche, and I thought I'm going to just call him one more time. And I said, "Hey, I'm about to send your money to someone else. Do you right. want to sell me that car?" And he said, "Yeah." And I went, "What?" <laughs> so yeah. I bought well, it, I, had it for many years. <laughs> yeah, I found out on several different occasions when I'm purchasing or tra- doing transaction on cars, or I'm being persistent when keeping a relationship going with an owner. I found that if I'm the one that's persistently interested in the car 
say, say for a 12-month period, and someone else comes in and knocks on the door and says, is this car for sale? They will actually feel guilty even letting that other person consider <laughs> buying it without coming back to me first. So those relationships and those personalities are great to you know continue to develop because one day the situation will come up where that car's for sale and you'll be the first call, you'll be the first contact, and they'll be excited to sell you the vehicle. So the persistence yeah. has always paid off. It really yeah, every every car is uh, eventually sold. So uh, yeah, just be persistent and patient. Be kind. Be respectful, and uh, just keep keep trying. Uh, same goes for asking that pretty girl out. If you're a young man, just keep <laughs> trying. How about sellers remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go? You wish you still had? Yes, they're actually absolutely. Well, there's a handful of them, obviously. <laughs> um, I'd probably say more more than a dozen of them that I have a little remorse to. But the one that stands out is um, I purchased a 60 El Camino from a gentleman here in Phoenix, probably, I don't know, going on 20 years ago. And it was the first vehicle that I actually took apart, took took it off the frame, redid all, you know, had the frame powder coated, new brake lines, new gas lines, did all the body work on the car, did all the stainless, all the chrome. And uh, this was probably through a four or five year, you know, period uh, that that process took place. And uh, I had a gentleman that offered me money for the car and he had to have it. Now it wasn't even completed, but he had a six year Camino that he lost in a house fire and mine happened to be the same color. So it kind of intrigued him on this is the one he wanted to replace the one that he had lost. So he uh, made a, a deal with me an offer that I really could not refuse on the car. And I ended up selling it. And the remorseful thing is, is, even to this day, I wish I could have driven it completed. I wish I shouldn't have sold it as quick as I did. But at that time, you know, money was needed and, you know, you're not going to pass up a deal that you just have to accept. But I think uh, on the remorse side, that's the one that jumps out at me because that's the one where I actually learned a lot from taking a car completely apart. I learned the processes on, you know, restoring a car. I learned the process of rebuilding a car, all the things that it takes and the detail work. And I really learned a lot from that car, and I kind of just felt like I should have driven it a couple times, or at least it owed me a couple of shows, and I never got that out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, well, Yeah, it, it did happen. Yeah, I'm still remorseful. I still look at pictures and reminisce on that one. Of course. We all have those in our lives, that's for sure. Well, tell us, what is you excited and fired up these days about your business, G's Up? Well, I actually have a great story that is very exciting for me. As I run my company and meet different clients, I do hunt cars down, and I shop cars, and I inspect cars. And I found this one listing um, that just said, for sale, classic car. And there was no photos. There was no information. All there was was a phone number. And for someone like me, that's just even more intriguing. You know, I have to see what this car is, or I have to get a picture of it. So I reached out to the phone number and uh, left several voicemails throughout a week's period. Never got a call back, didn't get any responses from text messages. It just kind of kept going and moving on to other things and other cars. And then I received a call back from the gentleman probably three, four weeks later saying, you know, hey, you know, you left me a message about my car. And it was an older gentleman up in uh, Prescott, Arizona. So he wasn't too far. And I just asked him about the car. He says, well, it's a 54 Chevy. It's kind of like has some custom work to it. I said, well, can you send me a couple pictures of it? And, and uh, he couldn't because, you know, he didn't really have the cell phone capabilities or the ability to send text photos and, and all that kind of thing. So I made it a, 
an appointment with him to go look at the car. One Thursday afternoon, I drove up two hours up north, and he opened up the garage, and there is a custom car coach built. I couldn't even really understand what it was at first. After some investigation and inspection, I found out that it was a 54 Corvette chassis that was custom built in the 50s, and it has a 55 Chevy front clip on it that's been lengthened. It has Chevy Nomad doors. It has a 55 Chevy roof that's been sectioned down to a two-door. It has Cadillac quarter panels, and it has Dodge taillights. And I know, you know, to your listeners, that might sound kind of strange, but this was a well-built custom car. So uh, I took some pictures of it, and I definitely told them I was interested in it. And come to find out, the car was actually built in California in the 50s by Al King. And Al King owned a body shop, and he took a 54 vet in on an insurance claim that was damaged. And he acquired the car and just built this custom car out of all the damaged 55 Chevys that he had. Wow. So it was just an amazing story. Then the next, you know, situation after that was I go to Barnes and Nobles and I look in a book called Lost Hot Rods and it's yeah. on the cover page. First, Isn't that first, crazy? Right, right when you open the cover, it's the first page of the book saying Lost Hot Rods. So that got me really excited. Come to find out it was also in Custom Car Magazine, I think in 56 or 57. So it was documented as, you know, from Hot Rod Magazine, Custom Car Magazine. And it was documented in this Lost Hot Rod magazine. So after I found out all that, I definitely wanted the car. Did a lot of due diligence for the next couple months um, as far as, you know, title work, checking the VIN, checking the history of the car, doing all that um, stuff that I do for my customers. I had to do it for myself this time. And after about a month and a half of back and forth and driving up there and doing things, I purchased a car for them. And uh, I'm very excited to have the car. So it's a one-of-one car. A lot of people don't even know the car still exists, and I'm extremely excited that I have it. Yeah, I, that's a crazy yeah, story. It, wow. It really is. I, I think I sent you a couple pictures on it uh, yep. in a previous email. Um, you could tell the car definitely has that style, that 50s era, uh-huh. and uh, I'll be running and driving that car next year for sure and getting it back out into the public and showing it on display and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder when you sent me those pictures, I'm like, what is that thing? I, I can't wait to Now I know the rest of the story. Well. That is very, very cool. I love stories like that. I'll remind our listeners that you can uh, find Greg's website at G-Z-U-P, and I'll spell that for you, G-E-E-Z-Z-U-P dot com, and you can uh, check him out. He's got a blog that you can uh, subscribe to and receive and learn all about the interesting things like this car that evolve his life. Well, Greg, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car, or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com. To check out the latest products for your ride, and when you're ready to check out, enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars. 
but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Greg, we are back and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what would Greg be and why? So if I was a vehicle, oof, that's a good one. Um, Well, right off the bat, the vehicle would have to be completely triple chrome where every part and panel of the car is chromed. It would have to be shiny. The only thing that I would allow to be black or have a different finish would be the tires and the glass. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it would have to have that chrome from start to finish. The vehicle that I guess would pop into my mind, which is probably, I'd probably say like a Duesenberg. Um, I've always been a fan of that 32 Duesenberg. There's a Model J, very big, very elegant. I mean, it, it just demands your attention. It's classy, and I think out of all the vehicles that I could, personify myself to be it would probably be a big chrome Duesenberg. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, put your sunglasses on when Greg shows yeah. up. It's gonna <laughs> shine. Well we are entering the last lap. I'm gonna fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that shiny Duesenberg throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Um automotive advice uh, since I deal with a lot of transactions and auctions and purchasing and selling, is do the due diligence when you're looking for a vehicle or about to buy a vehicle. If you're not spending that time up front, you're going to wish you had. And I think that's very profound for transactions and purchasing and selling by vehicles. Very important. How about a personal habit of yours you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Well, many successes have been attributed to just being organized, um, making a list of things that are, that are important, prioritizing. And I would also say listening, you know, dealing with clients and people, if you're not really listening, you really can't be helpful. So I think listening would be one of the best habits uh, for me to continue to have. Yeah, absolutely. How about a resource? Is there one you'd like to share? I would probably say myself. (laughs) There you go. If if someone's looking for a vehicle, I would consider myself a great resource into, you know, looking for new vehicles, old vehicles, classics, but a, a true resource as far as knowledge with classic cars, I think would be the Joe Bortz Museum. Joe Bortz is a gentleman that has dozens of one-off custom cars, and he has the knowledge of what to look for when they're you know, being authenticated. And I found him to be a great, 
a great resource for me. Interesting. Uh, so that's Bortz Auto Collection, right? B-O-R-T-Z? Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. I don't know if you've ever put- heard of him. Yeah, I have. Yes, I have. In fact, uh, maybe you could make, if you know him, maybe you can make an introduction. I'd love to have him on the show. Absolutely. Joe's a great man. He's been helpful to me on many levels, many different situations. And he just, he has that old school one-of-one classic car knowledge that just a lot of people don't have nowadays. Yeah, there you go. Well, see, making connections. That's what it's all about here. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Living or deceased. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to maybe deviate from the automotive just slightly. A person I would like to have a conversation with be would be Howard Hughes. Oh, wow. Um, Howard Hughes was obviously influential with all the aviation, has promoted aviation his entire life. And not a lot of people uh, don't realize that he built several cars that were just amazing. I mean, first of all, he built a car that was germ-free. You know, he built a car that the back half was an airplane. And I always felt that um, he was kind of capping out on the aviation situation or, or expanding the aviation industry. And I would like to think that after he would have done that, he would have moved on to expanding automotive, you know, auto, auto, automobiles and, and just getting uh, eccentric with those type of things. So I, it, it would be a great thing to have a conversation to see what his input would have been as far as where the automotive industry would have would have gone or where he would have taken it or how he would have influenced it. I think that would be an amazing conversation to have. Didn't he, there was some car he got involved called the Hughes Aeromobile? Yes. It was actually a 36 Lincoln. Yes. Um, A V12, I think. I believe it was. It was a 36 Lincoln called the Aeromobile. And the front of it was was a Lincoln. It was a two-door, I believe, convertible originally. And the whole front end was Lincoln, and the whole back end was aluminum uh, plating off of an airplane tail. And uh, he drove that on a daily basis. And, you know, you and I would never think to drive a vehicle like that. But, yeah, he built and drove that car. And it's still, uh, I believe it's still in the museum today with uh, the Hercules slash Bruce Goose uh, back east. Yeah, uh, I believe um, Bill Smith. Grants Pass, Oregon, which, of course, Oregon is where the Spruce Goose is. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, at the Evergreen uh, Aviation and Space Museum there in McMinnville, uh, you know which what? is You're a right. fantastic right. place. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't but remember he, that car there, but it's been a long time since I've been there, so. Yeah, but he also had a, you know, he had a, a 40 Cadillac Fleetwood that he custom did. He had a 55 Packard. He had numerous Duesenbergs. So yeah. I just think it would be great to discuss his designs and executions of ideas on, oh, on yeah. vehicles. Yeah, interesting guy. In- you're the first person to mention his name with that question, which is very interesting. I know he's more uh, no more for aviation, but very interesting fellow. Yeah. And I think, I don't know a lot about his history, but I know when things got a little weird, they say a lot of that was because of a head injury from that plane crash uh, when yeah. you're flying that prototype. So I think he ca- he's kind of gotten a bad rap over the years, probably for being this eccentric, crazy person, but uh, definitely- yeah innovative guy that did some interesting things. I'm going to have to do a little more history on cars. Be fun to, to learn a little bit more about the car side of Howard Hughes. Yes, I would agree. I think that'd be an amazing conversation to have. Yeah, for sure. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share? Well, actually, there is a book. Um, obviously, a lot of people think there's profound books as far as like how to achieve success or how to achieve wealth and or how to you know self-improve your, your, yourself. The one book that my customers have 
been have found to be most useful, believe it or not, is the American Car Spotter's Guide. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen that book. It was written by Ted Burness, and the American Spotter's Guide is made for classic car restoration shops, classic car industry. And what it does is it'll interchange vehicles for you. So say you have a 61 Chevy Impala bubble top. A lot of people don't know that a 61 Oldsmobile bubble top are the same roof of the car. So it has those interchanges. And when you go from start to to finish in the entire book, it has taillight interchanges, what taillights match different vehicles, what trunks, what doors, what roofs, um, what window cranks, what glass is interchangeable. So believe it or not, even though this book is uh, known for its photos and its pictures, my clients have referred back to that book so many times I can't even count. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're you're in the restorations and, and building those cars, it's a great, book to have by your side when you're looking for parts and cars. Is that the book that covers uh, just a specific era of time or were there a series? Because um, I know why you were talking about it. I looked it up real quick and it's 1981 to 1990, but did they did they print a series? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, oh. the very first series is from the 30s to, I think, uh, 72. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's where you'll get all the 54 Chevys, the 54 Chryslers, what's interchangeable, what's not with GM. Um, so, yeah, you're probably looking at the newer version, which isn't really as exciting nowadays. When you scroll back to the older one is where you get all the interesting classic vehicle information. I see now there's a whole bunch of them. So, definitely. There you go. Tad, Tad, T-A-D, Burness, B-U-R-N-E-S-S, looks like the author. Yeah, exactly. There you go. When you're looking for that tail light or that bumper or that glass, that's the book to reference when you're trying to hunt it down. Ah, yeah, a lot of interchangeable parts. So listeners, you can find all these great resources on Greg's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just go to CarsYow.com, type in Greg, three G's, G-R-E-G-G, last name O-V-I-S-T, and you'll find everything right there. All right, Greg, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you a car. Doesn't matter where it is or who owns it. I'm going to park it in your garage, but you've got to abide by my rules. And they are this. It's the only collector car. They are these, I should say, use proper English. They are these. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. What can I buy you? Wow. that's a, Well, the kicker of that was I can't sell it. <laughs> right. No, that little that's trick's the off the table. Yep. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I would have to say, the vehicle that you could buy me that I would I would have to keep would be a 61 Chevrolet Impala bubble top. It, it's a great car. It's a vehicle that just has that class to me. It's always had the sharp lines. It always has that nostalgic look. And I have, believe it or not, had, I don't know, probably dozens of those in different transactions. And I've never held on to one. I'm always like, oh, I'll get another one or I'll, you know, I'll find another one someday type of thing. I've always helped other people locate them. And I yeah. think that's the vehicle that I want in my garage. Um, that's wow. the one that I always felt I should have kept. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's not too tough. I think they'll be somewhat easy to buy or find. Yeah. At least it won't be as expensive as a Ferrari GTO. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm cool. not an elaborate, expensive kind of guy, but that's just one of the classics I, w- I would definitely keep. So I want to thank you in advance for that purchase. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. I'll get to work on that and we'll have some fun. Greg, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been fun. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 61 Chevrolet bubble top? Um, 
well, let me think. Um, I guess the final words to a lot of people that I would like to share with is today so many people are involved or concerned about their reputation. And I think people should stand back and look at their character. The character of a person is what's underneath you. Reputation is what people think. So I would like to encourage people just to think about their character, to be kind, generous to people when they can, because you can never downgrade someone's character, but you can always try to ruin their reputation. And the character always is profound and always stands. So you're always looking to take care of yourself like that. You know, you always come out ahead. Nicely said, my friend. And again, I'll remind our listeners the best way to find Greg and seek his help, which is always a good idea when you're looking for cars, car parts, or whatever it might be in the automotive world, is go to his website, which is G-E-E-Z-Z-U-P G-E-E-Z-Z-U-P.com. You'll find everything there. I'll put a link to that on Greg's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Greg, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with my listeners. I'm glad you reached out to me. Good job. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Have a great night. Thank you. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!